out them. You just need to let me know. So we've been doing a study. I, I've got props tonight. Is that cool? Do a little carrot top presentation. You guys don't know who that is, do you? That was a guy who was funny for like a month. He was only funny because he used props. Um, so I've got some different tools that I'm going to be pulling out here. We've been doing a study called How to Be a Tool, right? How to Be a Tool Used by God. Is the joke worn off? I didn't get any laughs yet. That's okay. So we're trying. We want to be tools used by God. And if we want to be a tool, we need to be a couple of things that we've seen the last three weeks. Who's, who's got, what, what did we learn the first week? What, what do we need to be? Just shout it out if you know it. No, there are wooden tools. <laughs> Remember, first week, we need to be willing, right? No tool can be used by God. No person can be used by God if he's not willing, right? So you got to decide if you're willing. Are you willing to say, God, whatever you want, whenever you want it, and wherever you want me to go, I will do it. And then we saw a tool has to be usable, right? And so we took a look at the vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor in Second Timothy 2, and talked about being usable, being uh, pure and, and righteous in God's sight. Because if you want to be a vessel, which is a container, which would be a type of tool, you, you are determined whether you're a vessel of honor or dishonor by your, uh, I almost said contaminants, that doesn't make sense. What you contain, though, there's a word for things that you contain. Contents, contaminants, contents, same thing. You, you're de that's determined by your contents. So are you a vessel of honor, a vessel of dishonor? Are you usable? And then last week we saw that if you want to be used by God, you also need to be prepared. And we talked about how practically here at FBC and at Ignite, you can become prepared, how you can grow in your walk with God. Um, and we do that through our mission statement that we call love, learn, lead. And, and we asked you to determine where you're at on that path, where you're at on that process. If you want to be used by God, we want to get you there. And so this week is going to be a little different than what we usually do. It's still going to be Bible study. But it's going to be very practical because I want to talk about what kind of a tool are you, okay? Uh, we're going to be going through this acronym that I did not invent. I'm, I'm not taking ownership over this, um, but I think it's a very good uh, illustration for high schoolers and teens. It, it really helped me when I was your age as well. Um, because it's going to help you determine your shape. That's your first blank. Your shape. And that's just going to stand uh, for five different things that will help you determine how God has shaped you to be used by him. And so hopefully after we're done tonight, you'll kind of have an idea of, uh, a better idea of who you are, what you're like, so you can determine how to be used. Now I've got a couple different tools up here. Okay, anyone know what this thing is? That's, this is a saw. Does anyone know what type of substrate this cuts? Oh, fancy. Oh, look at that. Gabby's got it. This is used to cut wood. Now, I suppose you could cut this plastic table with it, um, but it wouldn't cut nicely. It's made to cut wood. It's made for a specific purpose. Now, this is also a saw. Okay, this is called a coping saw. And this, do you know that? Did you know that, Gabby? Gabby, you are the man. This, this, she works at Tractor Supply. <laughs> This is, so this is a coping saw, and I use this whenever I'm doing molding and different things because it's used to make tight little turns and little cuts. Now, if I went to cut a two by four and a half with this, could I do it? Yeah, it would take a while. It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be the most efficient means of cutting a two by four. Now, if I wanted to keep cut a little piece of crown molding with this, could I do it? Yeah, it would not look good. 
See, doesn't, even though these are both saws, they're used to do different things. I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this, so just humor me, okay? I'm not the youth pastor who pulls out the illustrations very often, so just humor me, okay? This is fun. All right, this is a hammer. What do hammers do? They hit things. Good job. All right, screwdrivers, right? I've got two screwdrivers, but they're different kinds. I've got a Phillips and a flathead, right? They turn different kinds of screws. You can't, you can't do a Phillips screw with a flathead. It doesn't work, and vice versa. It, it, they're made for separate things. These all kind of look like pliers, right? But they have different jobs. These are called side cuts. They're used for cutting things like wire and metal. These are called what? Who knows this one? Needle nose, right? So these are used when you need to get into a tight place or like when you're putting outlets in and you want to, uh, this is, you know, shop class with Kale right now. You want to bend wire really, really small in a turn to put it on your, uh, on your outlet screw, like your neutral or your ground wire or something like that. And then these are called channel locks because you can make them big or you can make them small depending on how big of a thing you need to turn or grab with them, okay? Uh, this is a tape measure. It measures things. I've got one more thing. Does anyone know what this is? Off the top of your head? If I turn it on, it does that. Huh? If I do this. Ah, see? So it's going to test your, it's a voltage tester. So it's, this one doesn't tell you how much voltage, but it's going to tell you if it's hot or not. So when you're working with electricity, you just, you know, touch things with, all it's got to do is come near electricity, and it beeps like that. So I, I've used all these tools for different things okay now here's here's the thing a hammer will hit a nail pretty good but check this out all of you guys in my illustration here are different tools waiting to be used by God now you might not be prepared you might not be usable like if this saw was bent in half because it's metal would it be very usable no it wouldn't be um now these tools are inanimate objects but what if this tool wasn't willing to be used and it just ran away from me and I, 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 I then I couldn't use it right it's, I, I don't know, I'm making this up as I go, but here's what I'm building to. So I've got this little teeny piece of wood here, and say this is you, okay? Say this is you. You are this flathead screwdriver, but you don't know that you're a flathead screwdriver. You just know that you're a tool that God wants to use to get a job done, but you don't know what kind. And so, through your entire adult life, you spend your time trying to hit nails into wood, and it just isn't working. You get frustrated pretty quick, wouldn't you? Like, I can't do nothing right. I, I, I try to work. I try to do what God wants me to do, and nothing comes of it. If anything, I make a mess. I ruin things. I can't get any work done, so maybe the problem is me. Maybe I can't be used by God. Maybe God doesn't want to use me. See, those are all false conclusions you could draw just from not knowing what kind of tool you are. This screwdriver, I could beat on this all day, and maybe eventually this nail's going to start to go into the wood. See, it, it'll kind of stick up for a second there. But it's not made to drive nails. Hammers are made to drive nails, right? One hit, and that's stuck in there pretty good. This is what's made to do that. Now, if I tried to turn a screw with this, <laughs> you'd be really frustrated. All I want you to see is that we are all different kinds of tools, and we're shaped differently, and God wants to use you to do different things things. But if you don't know what kind of tool you are, you might be frustrated trying to do things for the Lord and feeling like you don't measure up. Maybe you're just not being used in the way that God has shaped you to be used. So that's what we're going to be looking at tonight, is how to find your shape. And so we're going to go down pretty quickly through these five letters. Um, 
the letter S stands for spiritual gifts. That's the first one we're going to look at. And honestly, guys, I do not have the time to do the letter S justice. When I teach shape, I usually like to do it in two weeks and spend a whole week just on spiritual gifts. But we just don't have the time. So I'm going to do this in a summarized fashion. And you have to trust me on the fact that I have done the Bible study on this. And in fact, if you come and ask me questions, I will give you references for it. I, I do not like, and you guys know this, I do not like doing sermons where I just tell you something like it's an absolute fact and not give you reference. But I'm going to do that tonight because <laughs> we don't have the time. So I'm going to give you some references and other things I want you to go home and check me on. I want you to look it up. And if you have questions, I want you to ask me. So spiritual gifts. There are three things I want to give you quick rapid fire about spiritual gifts. They're mentioned in three different places of scripture. They're mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. They're mentioned in Romans 12, and they're mentioned in Ephesians 4. And through these three places, we can compile a list of spiritual gifts. Now, there are spiritual gifts that were used back in the day that are no longer in effect because they were used for a certain place and time, and they were used, they, they were called temporary sign gifts, and I can show you those in the Bible. 1 Corinthians one twenty-two is a good cross-reference if you want to look into that. But tonight, we're going to focus on the gifts that are in effect Today, and the things that God gives to the church to profit the body withal, which is what 1 Corinthians 12 is going to tell us. So in 1 Corinthians 12, we see a few things about spiritual gifts. We see the first bullet point there. They're not physical talents or abilities. Now, spoiler, letter A stands for abilities, so we're going to get there. But spiritual gifts are not just physical talents or abilities. It's not that simple. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 tells us, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I would not have you ignorant. And he's going to spend a significant portion of that chapter talking about spiritual gifts. Now, notice, what are they called? Spiritual gifts. Not physical gifts. Not physical talents. They're spelled differently. It's a different word. Spiritual gifts are gifts that God gives you that are spiritual. And they are given to profit the body, not yourself. Those are your next two blanks. Profit the body, the church as a whole, not just you individually. That's not why God gives them. Because in verse 7 of that same chapter, it says, But the manifestation, or the revealing of the Spirit, is given to every man, why? To profit with all. Do you know what with all means? With all. It's really easy. It's to profit everyone, not just yourself. You, you don't get um, greedy about spiritual gifts, and actually Paul would address that in the book of 1 Corinthians. We'll see that on FBCs on Sundays, in, well, in a while. We're only in chapter 4. But we're going to see that they would get greedy over these gifts, and they would try to use them to build up themselves. And God says, no, 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 I gave spiritual gifts to you to profit the body. And they're given at the moment of salvation. So like a physical talent or ability is something that you were just born with, I'm not saying you can't nurture it and practice and make it better, but it's something that you are born with just like that. Spiritual gifts are given at the moment of salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. We're still in the same chapter, the context of this chapter, spiritual gifts. But all these gifts worketh that one and selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now, don't get too confused about this passage. I know it's, it, it starts to get a little wonky there. You see the word baptized, and you're like, oh, man, what's going on? All right, there's no water anywhere here in 1 Corinthians 12. 
For by one spirit, we are all baptized. The word baptized just means immersed. It means submerged. So by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S, we've all been placed or submerged or immersed into one body. Whose body is that? Jesus Christ. So we've all been placed by the spirit into one body. So when, does, when do we get placed into the body of Christ? That's at the moment of salvation. He's talking about spiritual gifts in this context. That's when you get spiritual gifts at the moment of salvation. Doesn't mean you know what they are, but that's why we're talking about them. So like physical talents or abilities, that's something that you would be born with when you are reborn, born again into God's family. John chapter three, right? Okay. Um, so with that being said, with spiritual gifts, you don't necessarily just have one or the other. You might have a couple, or you might have a little one and some of the other. It's, it's, it, it's not outlined perfectly how you get them. But God gives us these gifts in the Bible, and he says they're to profit the body with all. Now, it's not a natural talent or ability, but it's like that, that you are born in it, okay? Think about this. If, if I practice as hard as I can today, if I quit my job and I spend every waking minute of every day practicing basketball, I liked basketball. I played some in high school. Will I ever be as good as LeBron James? Ever. No. There's no way. Now, I'm not saying LeBron didn't work hard to get where he is. And, and the, the old Michael Jordan adage that, um, was it? I think it was Jordan who said that, you know, I, I, I'm not naturally talented. I've just worked harder than everybody else. He said something to that effect. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I probably butchered that quote. The idea, but no, here's the thing. Yes, they work harder than I do at basketball because they were naturally gifted and showed a lot more talent at the onset than I did, and so they pursued it. There, there's this natural gifting that they were given at birth, and that is like a spiritual gift. You, you've been given this spiritual gift. And so I'm going to give you very quickly, because we don't have time to go through them, two different categories. We have what we would call speaking gifts and what we would call serving gifts. Okay? And do we have the list for speaking gifts up there? Just, yeah, yeah, there you go. So these are... Um, Mentioned in scripture in those three different places I gave you at the beginning. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. But I just want to quickly describe them to you so you have an idea. Prophecy, Old Testament prophecy, would have been a prophet getting up. God reveals his word to the prophet. And then the prophet goes out and says, thus saith the Lord. And then he says what God told him to the people. And then he passionately moves the people's hearts to obey what God has said. Right? God tells Jonah, go tell Nineveh to repent. Jonah, after some finagling and being eaten by a fish, goes to Nineveh and says, thus saith the Lord. And Nineveh repents. Okay, see, that's an Old Testament problem. But today we have God's word, God's finished word. So God doesn't speak to me physically and tell me what he has said. No, he's already said it. He's written it down in a book. And so guess what? The, the New Testament prophet is just the preacher who takes God's revealed word in this book that has been written down, and he gets up and he says, thus saith the Lord, and he passionately moves the hearts of the people to obey his word. That's a really fun Bible study that we don't have time to do, but that's, when I say prophecy, don't get weirded out. I'm not saying that I, I prophesy that this will happen. No, that's not what I'm saying. God has revealed his word to us, and the preacher, the prophet, expounds it. Evangelism, you guys know what that is. It's sharing the gospel. Some people are supernaturally gifted to share the gospel. They just, when they get saved, they just naturally go do it. I teach the evangelism class in MTT, and I've seen people, guys and girls like this. It's amazing. 
But we don't get off the hook that easily because in 2 Timothy 4, in verse 5, Paul tells Timothy that he has to watch in all things, endure afflictions, oh, and do the work of an evangelist. <laughs> okay, so some people are supernaturally gifted to do it, but we're all called to do the work of an evangelist, to share the gospel. Teaching. Teaching is different from preaching because preaching is more appealing to the hearts of man to get them to change their ways before God. Teaching is more on the intellectual level. It, it stimulates the mind and the brain and, and teaches you more knowledge. That's what teaching is like. There's pastor teacher. A pastor teacher would be a shepherd of God's flock. That would be a spiritual gift to be able to shepherd God's flock. All teachers are not pastors, but all pastors should be teachers according to God's word. So a pastor is also a teacher. And then there's exhortation. To exhort means to encourage or to give strength or to advise. Somebody who lifts somebody up. Some people are spiritually gifted to do that. And then we have serving gifts. We've got ruling or government, and this is often associated with like leadership or administration. Maybe that's something you do well. Maybe that's something that God has supernaturally gifted you to do. It depends. We're going to talk about how to find that out in a second. There's helps or ministry. Ministry, that's serving others, helps, that's the same thing. It's taking someone else's burden, it's serving other people. Mercy, that's extending compassion to someone that's in need or in, in misery. Often people with this, the supernatural gift, the spiritual gift of mercy, they just, they know the right thing to say. Like just, it doesn't matter what time, they just know the right thing to say. And they're just merciful, they're spiritually gifted. And then there's giving. We're all called to give. I, if we're Christians, we should be a giving people, but some people they just, seem, they, they just give regardless of what they have. They're, they're not necessarily rich all the time or, or poor. Maybe they're one or the other or both sometimes. But it doesn't matter what their resources look like. They're just always giving. And they just always continue to give. And, and it seems like it doesn't matter what they have. They're just giving to other people because it makes them happy. It makes them fulfilled. Maybe that's the spiritual gift of giving if you're like that. So these are some of the gifts from the New Testament that God has given. So I, I, I'm not saying that tonight you could just pick what you have. This is the most detailed, complex one of shape, and it deserves its own study. But I want you to think about some of those. Go to some of those chapters and look at them, read them. What, what is something that you think you might have? If you're saved, born again, when, when you were born into God's family, what spiritual gifts do you think God might have given you? Do you know how to find out? You just start trying. And then when you fail, you're like, well, not that one. <laughs> I, that, was, that was bad. And so you just try it and you see, man, I'm not normally good at this in my own power. But when I do this thing and God steps in, it's just like, it's amazing. So for me, and, and I'm not trying to like toot my own horn, but I would say that one of mine would be pastor teacher and would, and would be prophecy or preaching. And, and because the thing is, without the Lord, Man, guys, I, I stumble over my own words. I stumble over my own words when I'm preaching a lot of times. But when I'm just talking, if, I, if somebody asks me to get up and talk and it's not about God or the Bible, and they just say, hey, can you share something, public speaking, or do the announcements on Sundays, I, I get nervous. I stumble over my words. It's just not something I'm naturally good at. But God has gifted me to be able to preach his word. Well, praise the Lord, because who does that glorify? It doesn't glorify me. Because if somebody comes and listens to me on my own, they're going to be like, that guy's an idiot. Yeah, I know. And when God uses idiots like me and you, he gets a lot of glory out of it. That's what spiritual gifts are for, to profit the body and to glorify God. So what do you think maybe you have? Try them all. Get in, serve, help, grow with us, and figure out how God has shaped you. Okay, we're going to go through the other ones quickly. Quick -er, quickly -er, um, because they're quite easy. 
But let's move on to heart, letter H. There's a lot on your study sheet. Don't get nervous. I wanted to give you a lot so that you could take it home and look at it and really consider some of these things. Our heart is our desires, our hopes, our interests, ambitions, dreams, and affections. Our heart represents the source of our motivation, what you love to do and what you care about most. So your heart contains a unique set of interests and desires. God will use your passions to lead you into a place of ministry that fits the rest of your shape. God wants to use you in a way that you are using your passions and desires because you'll be the most effective. Deuteronomy 11, 13. God wants us to serve him with all of our heart. It says, It shall come to pass if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. See, God wants you to serve him with all of your heart. He says that in Ephesians 6 again. He says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God, notice, from the heart. God wants you to serve him from your heart. So how do I know, here's your blank, when I'm serving God from my heart? How do I know that? Well, there's two things that will give you a decent idea. These are all very practical guidelines that can help you. This isn't set in stone, dogmatic, dogmatic doctrine. But number one, if you're serving God from your heart, often you'll just have this enthusiasm about you. And number two, it's the effectiveness when you're serving God from your heart and, and your desires and your passions, you'll be enthusiastic about it. You'll be effective at it because you have this burden for it. When you're not serving God from your heart and you're just doing something because you were told to do it or because you figure, let me try this, it, listen, that's not a bad thing. At least you're getting started. But you're not going to be very effective and you're probably not going to be super enthusiastic about, enthusiastic about it. So these are just some key guidelines that might help you decide what your heart is like. So here's some questions. I'm going to give you some questions with each one of these to give you uh, some help. Here's some questions to help identify your heart. What do I have a passion for? May maybe you have a passion for animals. Maybe you have a passion for sports. Your passions will typically tie in with maybe a talent you have or a hobby you like. What are you passionate about? Okay, take that. How can I use that to serve the Lord? It's as simple as that. Number two, who do I love to work with most, like as an audience? Do I love to work with children? Some of you are going to be helping Craig in summer fun this year. That's awesome. Serve kids. Do you like to work with students, the elderly, maybe mentally or physically disabled people? Maybe you like to work with addicts. We have an entire ministry for people who are uh, stuck or dealing with addiction. And typically the people who love to work with those people are people who dealt with that when they were younger. So, so who do you love to work with? Who do you have a passion for? Number three, what issues or ministries or possible needs excite you the most? Does worship excite you? That need to, to help lead the body in worship or serving? How, what about making sure new people feel welcomed? Maybe that's something that excites you the most. Maybe you just love sh making sure that things look right and work right and things are clean. I do. I, I, that might sound really lame, but I love making sure that things look good, that they work, that they're fixed, that they're clean. I, I love that kind of stuff. I'm, I come in here every Wednesday, but hours before you guys come in, and I make sure the, the counter's set just right. The inreach team probably knows if Kale set the, the counter up because it's the exact same way when I set it up. I like things right in their place. It's just, it, 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 that excites me. I like to make things look good. What excites you? What's your heart? So an, as an example, myself, I'm passionate about youth. That's why I'm here. I'm passionate about students. 
And so I use that passion to, to allow God to use me. It drives me to help you guys and other students learn the Bible from a young age so that you can fall in love with God and avoid terrible life decisions. I mean, that's, I, I allow God to use those passions in my life to serve him. So, so maybe you can use some of those things to identify your heart. Right? Write some of those things on that line if you're, if you're brainstorming or trying to figure that out. Next is abilities. So abilities are those God-given natural talents that you were born with. So they're not spiritual gifts. These are your physical talents or abilities, okay? Everyone has some unique set of abilities that, they, that they're just born with, that they're good at, that they have a knack for. And by discovering and developing those abilities, they can help you find your place in the church. They can. It's just like I said, if I quit my job and spent every waking minute trying to be an amazing basketball player, I'd probably be better than I am today, for sure. Never going to be as good as those guys who had the natural ability to begin with. And then they worked hard on it. So what, what, what was something you're born with? What are you really good at? What, what do you love to do and you just have a knack for or a skill? And you, and you can use that for the Lord because every ability or talent can be used for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Anything you can do, whether you're eating, you're drinking, and then Paul throws in there, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So what natural talents or abilities do you have? Write those down. And then start to brainstorm, how can I use that for God? How can I use these abilities? Well, I don't know, Kale, this talent, I've always been good at this, but I don't see how God could ever use this. Don't sell yourself short. I think God made you the way he wants you to be. What abilities do you have? Here's some questions to help you identify. What comes naturally to me? Things that I don't have to try very hard to do, and I just tend to be good at. Of course, you can work harder to hone those abilities and then get even better, but what's something that just comes naturally to you? Number two, what skills do I have? You know, like nunchuck skills, bow staff skills, computer hacking skills. You guys don't get that reference probably. That's Napoleon Dynamite, by the way. I don't even know what year that was, but it's three, 2003, okay. Yeah, that's, that's kind of old reference now. That came out when we were in like middle school. Man. Number three, what am I doing when I lose track of time? This is a good indicator Man, if there's something you just are passionate about and you have a natural skill for it, what, what, what do you just lose track of time? I love fixing things and building things. And if I'm, Brooke knows that if I'm in a mood and I'm, and I'm just set out on a mission, I won't eat. <laughs> and she'll be like, hey, you need to eat dinner. I'm like, not now, no time. I'm building a shower. <laughs> I just like it. And I'm, I'm fairly good at it. And I could, of course, be better. But I just have a natural talent for figuring stuff out, how it works, and, and, and being able to do that. I'm not the best but it's a talent that I have. Um, another example that's more that could be used by God, I love music. I've loved music since I was a kid. I took guitar lessons when I was in third grade and started playing the guitar and picked up some other things along the way. And God, has, that's an easy one to figure out if you're musically inclined because God can use that to help lead others in worship. That's an amazing thing. So I've been able to help be in worship bands when I was in high school, when I was in the well, um, Man, I even just, maybe this is geeky, but I, I love poetry. It has to do with music a lot, too. So, man, I'll just find myself writing songs or poems to the Lord all the time, just in my spare time. Okay, so if that's something you're good at naturally, how can you use that for God? Well, help lead other people in worship. Man, write songs that glorify God when you're personally just praising Him. Just, what, what are you good at? What, what's some natural abilities you have, and how can you use that for God? Does that make sense? All right, let's keep moving. 
Like I said, these, these are pretty quick. They're not incredibly hard. It's just things that I want to give you some guidelines for, and I want you to not go home with everything figured out, but with some, some brainstormed ideas that you can start thinking about. What is my shape? What kind of a tool am I? Am, am I a... Am I, like, say Kale's a screwdriver. Am I a screwdriver? Like, am I somebody who would get up and, and preach God's word to, 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 to people in an audience? Or, no, that's, that's not my shape. I'm not shaped that way. What, it, what is your shape? Because there's more, I'm telling you guys, if you read and study 1 Corinthians 12, God says, you know what, there's more, there's, there's a ton of members in the body. There's eyes, there are hands, there's ears. And if we all wished we were an eye, well, how would we be able to hear anything, right? So what, what what, just like what tool are you, let's use that illustration. What, what, you know, member of the body are you? Figure out your shape and then get plugged in because the body needs you to function properly. Letter P, your personality. God has given you a unique personality that can enable you to accomplish what he has called you to do. What's your personality? Oftentimes this seems like a little more abstract, so it can be harder to nail down. There's the very general things like, well, I'm an introvert, or I'm an extrovert. Okay, well, if that's all, th- that's two really broad categories. So at times, though, you might even compare yourself to other people. Have you ever done that before? In which that your personality was more like theirs? Oh, they're really bold. They're just really outgoing. They talk, man, I wish I was like that. I'm just too shy. You know what? God's word says that you're just the way he wants you to be. He made you. For, you know, Psalm 139, 14 David says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, God made you with different personality traits and abilities. He made you the way he wants you to be. Man, how about instead of looking down on yourself and wishing you were like somebody else, you you find out your shape. You find out what kind of tool you are so that you can serve God in that unique way that God has made you to serve him. You don't have to compare yourself with other people. Figure out how God has made you and then let him use you. And that glorifies God the most. It's an amazing thing. So some questions that can help you identify your personality. Number one's that obvious one. Are you more extroverted or introverted? And not everybody falls into one of those two camps 100% either. There are people who are a little bit of both. Two, are you more of a thinker or a feeler? Do you prefer routine or spontaneity? Are you more self-controlled or self-expressive? And to be fair, I'm not even really sure what self-expressive means, but I copied these from somewhere. Five, are you more cooperative or competitive? These, these, but see, there's all these questions that are be like, what, what is my personality like? And sometimes it's hard to think of all these traits, so I'm gonna give you something you can do. This is not something you have to do or is necessary, but you can take a personality quiz. Has anyone ever done that? A personality quiz in school? Did, have they ever had you do that? A couple people. So if you go to this, this website called 16personalities.com, they're going to do the standard, uh, is it called Myers-Briggs? Is that the, yeah, Trisha says yes. The Myers-Briggs personality test, and you know, there's all science and stuff, whatever. If you take their little test where you just answer the questions as honestly as you can, they'll, they'll give you this score of like, hey, your personality might be something like this. And I'm not saying you should go do this and treat it as absolute truth, but it might give you a little help and a guideline of be like, oh yeah, I am like that. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then you can kind of understand things better. So this isn't a mold that you have to fit in after you take it and be like, oh, well, I got to fit in this mold now. No, it's, it's just an arbitrary test. But it can be helpful. So for an example, when I take the test, I'm what's called an ENTJ. So it's just four letters that stand for something. And E stands for extrovert. 
N stands for intuitive, even though it starts with I. I don't know. T stands for thinking, and J stands for judging. So you got all these things, and here I'll give you the little synopsis that they give. They give you a synopsis for each person. So this is what it says about ENTJs, and you can take it or leave it. I don't know if this sounds like me or not. ENTJs are natural-born leaders. Yeah. <laughs> People with this personality type embody the gifts of charisma and confidence and project authority in a way that draws crowds together behind a common goal. Ah, awesome. But unlike their feeling counterpart, ENTJs are characterized by often a ruthless level of rationality, <laughs> using their drive, determination, and sharp minds to achieve whatever end they've set for themselves. Perhaps it's best that they make up only 3% of the population. I don't know, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't, I don't know how you test for that. Uh, lest they overwhelm the more timid and sensitive personality types that make up much of the rest of the world. Um, yeah, so I don't know, but it'll just give you a little synopsis. So like, oh yeah, I am kind of like that. Oh yeah, that is kind of my weakness. S see what I mean? Like, it can, it can help you. I'm not saying you have to do it, but it's fun. And if you go to that 16personalities.com website, they give like cute little like cartoon characters with it. So like, you could be like the little person who's got like a, I don't know. You can go check it out. They even give you like famous people that have your thing too. So like some of the people that are also mine are Steve Jobs, Gordon Ramsay. That's kind of scary. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Harrison Ford, Margaret Thatcher, Whoopi Goldberg, Jim Carrey, FDR. I don't know. It's it's fun. It's something fun you can do. I don't. I'm not telling you to go do it because it will. It's it's so important. You can, you can do it for fun and see. Maybe it'll help you understand your personality. Maybe you already do, but just just think about that. What's my personality like? Okay. Then letter E. Experiences. Last one here. The very experiences that you have resented or regretted most in life the ones you want to hide or forget are often the experiences that God wants to use to help others. Experiences. You know, we all have experiences in life. We have good ones. We have bad ones. I know a lot of you guys are young, but maybe you have had a lot more experiences than other people have had at your age. What are those good and bad experiences? You know, God wants to use those to serve others and to serve Him. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, this is I love this passage, by the way. If you're ever wondering why God allows you to go through a hard time in life, check this out. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that, here's the reason, the purpose, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. See that? God says he comforts you in tribulation so that after the fact, you can go comfort other people with the same comfort he gave you, that experience that he brought you through. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. God wants to use the things that you go through and that he leads you through so that you can comfort and exhort and edify other people. So what are some of your experiences? Good or bad, trials and tribulations, as well as the good and the victories. Here's some questions that could help you think about that. Family. What's your family life like? What did you learn growing up? What's unique about your family life that you could relate to other people who think that nobody else grew up with the problems or struggles or victories they had? Education. What are your favorite subjects in school? What kind of school did you attend? 
this new this online schooling thing is is a is a new popular thing that wasn't as popular when I was in high school. That's a new trend, and there there are certain uh, successes and struggles with that. That maybe that's something you did and you can relate to, and you can help other people with that. Maybe you were homeschooled. Maybe you went to Dover or Philly. Maybe you went to a smaller school. What, what what's your schooling experiences? And then even even more if you go to college or or trade school. Three, vocational. This is more applies if you're in the workforce or when you're a little older, but what jobs have you had? What have you been effective in? What have you enjoyed the most? What about what haven't you been effective in or haven't enjoyed? Spiritually, what have you been, wh- or what have been your most meaningful times with God? Ministry-wise, how have you served God in the past? How can you use that in the future? What about pain and painful times? What problems, hurts, and trials have you learned from? Um, I have many good, awesome things that have happened in life that God has used through. And man, just growing up at FBC, I was literally born at this church. I've been coming here for 27 years. And I've had amazing men of God who have helped, that have all been my spiritual fathers and taught me and, and grew me up knowing the Lord and teaching me how to know his word. That's an amazing thing. And I can share that experience and, and do that with you guys and with other people. But you know what? I've had struggles too in life, and I, I've told you guys this before, so I won't go into detail, but when I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease back in 2013, that was one of the most trying times in my life, and I learned so many things during that time about finances, like practical life lessons, finances and marriage and health, but then also my faith in God and trusting Him to provide and trusting Him. Man, I learned so many things through that otherwise hard storm in my life, but you know what? God wants me to share that and to use that when other people are going through storms in their lives to show them how God brought me through that. And then I can comfort them with the comfort that God comforted me with. What experiences do you have in life that you can use to serve God? I want you guys to look at these shape. And I I know we went through it fast, and I know we didn't spend a whole lot of time on spiritual gifts. But just think of those as as a big guideline and a brainstorm. Shape. Spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences. These are all things, and there's probably more things, but, you know, we just used a nice little acronym. All things that help define who you are, what you're like, and how God can use you. Now, they don't define you, but man, they give you a darn good idea who you are and what, what you're good at and what God wants to use you for. So take those things and write things down on there and brainstorm them tonight. Think about them. Am I a saw? Am I a hammer? What, what kind of a tool am I? What could God want, me, want to use me to do? Now here's the thing. You're not going to know exactly, but you know what? You could start to put those things together and start trying things based on those and see where you fit best. That's, that's the best you can do, man. You know what? This is crazy. When I was 16 years old, and I was in, who's 16 in here? Who's 15 or 17? 15, 16, 17. Probably most of you guys, right? Within that one or two years. When I was 16, when I was about your guys' age, I felt a burden, just, just a little burden in my heart. I noticed back in that, I don't even know what year that was or who was leading it, because so, I'm not dissing on anybody. But back, so that would have probably been like 06, 07, something like that, long time ago. I just felt a burden for middle schoolers because I noticed that Extreme, I think it was called Extreme back then. Yeah, definitely. Um, they're just like a lot of the middle schoolers were coming to 180 instead, and we t- had to tell them, no, you, we have a different ministry for you. And they're like, oh, man. And I'm, I'm not saying that Extreme wasn't cool. I'm just like, man, I, I wish middle schoolers liked to go to their thing. I, I, how can I help with that? And 
You know, they're like, well, you know, you've got to be an adult to serve with youth. Okay. But you know what I found myself in when I was 18, 19 years old and I graduated from high school? You know what I went and did? I went and served as a volunteer counselor in middle school. Because God laid that passion on my heart. I didn't know if I was good at it. I didn't know if I could work with youth. I just tried it. And I was, I was okay at it. I was pretty decent. So I just kept with it. I did the same thing with the worship thing. Like, what? take these things that we went through and just try something. Jump in. Jump into one of the uh, impact teams that we talked about last week. Worship team, inreach team, outreach team, tech team. Just jump in and try something. And try to find out your shape. And you know what? If you start now, as you get older, you'll find a pretty decent idea of who you are and how God can and will use you. And then if you're willing and you're usable and you get prepared and you find out your shape, man, you're on a pretty good start to God using you for the rest of your life. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be used by God? I bet most of us do. So go home and think about these things. Don't forget, you've got to be willing, usable, and prepared. But man, start to figure out what kind of tool you are. And come back here next week, ready to party and have fun and to meet our new freshmen, which there's a lot of. It's going to be a lot of fun. And you know what? Start to just love on those guys and serve them and serve the Lord by loving on new kids and, and making them feel welcomed and a part of our ministry because they're going to camp with us too, right? <laughs> All right, let's pray. God, I love you, and I thank you so much for how good you are and how awesome your word is. Father, I just pray that we would want to be used by you, that we would desire, that we'd be willing to be used by you, and that we would desire to be usable and to, and to be a vessel of honor that you can use. And God, that we wouldn't stop there, that we would be prepared, and that we'd get on the path here to ignite and seek to grow in you, Father. And God, I just pray that we would try to determine our shape from what we've seen tonight. What, what are the spiritual gifts you've given us? What, what's our heart? What's our abilities and our talents and our personality and the experiences you've given us? You've, you've given us all those things to serve you and to glorify you and to serve others. So God, man, show those to us. Reveal them to us so that we could be used by you. We want to glorify you, God. And if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, Father, and doesn't know the joy that comes with knowing that you're their father, God, I pray that they would just understand that they're separated from you by their sins. And you paid the ultimate price on the cross so that they don't have to perish. They don't have to live separated from you. They can live forever with you in heaven. And if they don't understand that, they don't know that, I pray they'd just come and ask me or a counselor or a friend that brought them after tonight and know how they, or find out how they can know that they'll have a home with you forever in heaven someday. God, I love you. I pray that we would be used by you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.